Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Welcome to the show. Excited to be back on the mic uh, with John. And we'll be giving our thoughts on the draft, of course, and the latest rumors surrounding the Saints. But first, we gotta we got to catch up on a few things, John, right? Because it's been a while. How's life been treating you, my friend? Oh, man, it has been great. We, we, we've expanded our team here at the Saints Wire. We, we've got some new writers on board. Yep. Uh, it's very, very exciting. We, we've got a good crew together, and uh, I, think, I think we're all we're very excited for this draft and to see what comes next and what, what's been a very exciting Saints offseason. Yeah, you got a lot to manage with the new crew because it's been an eventful offseason with the Saints, right, John? Like, you know, never mind Sean Payton. <laughs> Sean, Sean Payton retires. So does Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, Marcus Williams is a Raven and Teron Armstead's a Dolphin. So they leave in free agency, which which that kind of sucked for Saints fans. And Jameis is back as QB1, right? So that happened. Uh, and then the big trade with the Eagles, which we're going to get to here coming up. And then you have this, the things that almost happened with the team, right? Like they almost got Marquez Valdez-Scantling in free agency. Uh, and they almost committed a boatload of future draft capital and guaranteed money to bring back, or, or I'm sorry, to acquire Deshaun Watson. Uh, right. The Saints were among the finalists for Watson, along with the Falcons, which made for uh, some dramatic weeks there. Uh, but Watson, you know, he doesn't end up in the NFC South. He doesn't end up in the NFC. He ends up in Cleveland after throwing us all a curveball. Right. So that helps bring Jameis back to New Orleans as QB one. Uh, but, John, you were among the, you know, the Saints analysts, at least on Twitter, because, you know, I follow you on Twitter, who really you really held the team accountable for being in on Watson. Right. Not only because of. Of the, and I'll let you speak on this, but not only because of the long list of sexual assaults against him, which you know still exist as civil suits; those haven't gone away. Um, and and not only for you know what what would have been to give up that that huge draft capital and the mega contract extension that we saw Cleveland do, but because you had to wait around for for the guy to make his decision, right? And then it got to the point where bringing back Jameis was pretty much the only decision, right? Yeah. So the Saints that they made that 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 kind of ill-advised run at Deshaun Watson. Um, they, they were willing to, to do the picks, do the contract. It, it didn't work out in the end. Um, personally, I'm kind of grateful for that, where that, that, that was really dominating our news cycle, and it would have continued to with all of these civil suits against him, um, his continued claims of you know in, innocence and everything. And it just really, it really would have been a massive distraction for this team. Um, and, and for all of us covering the team, and it just really would have wiped out everything else. You know, we're, we're past that now. Jameis Winston is QB1. I don't really see we'll, – we'll talk about this more in, in depth here in a bit, but I don't really see a rookie quarterback who's going to unseat him uh, this, this year. Um, so if I, had, if I did have to guess, I would say it's the one who, who's currently the odds-on favorite for the Saints to draft. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that shortly. But Jameis is QB1. The receiver's room needs a lot of work. The roster needs help at a couple different spots after losing Armstead and Williams and Jenkins. Um, and, you know, they're still without Sean Payton. And you've got to wonder how, how much they've lost with him and his ability to um, ele- elevate talent and get guys in position to win. And it's so interesting, too, with, with Watson's decision to pick Cleveland because that's what leaves the Saints in their current spot, right, John? Like, now the Saints have two picks inside the top 20, but if they ended up with Watson, they would have had to give up, you, know, you look at what Cleveland gave up, three firsts, a third, and two fourths for Watson and a sixth is basically what it came down to. Now, those picks are spread out over 2023 and 2024 as well, but, I mean, 
that's a hell of a lot of draft capital on top of the $230 million yeah, fully uh, guaranteed deal. So the Saints would have given up like, all their draft picks for this guy. Yeah, it's, it's like three uh, Ricky Williams trades all put together. <laughs> I mean, back to back to back. And um, I, I don't need to lecture Saints fans on how that experience went out. So I, I think we may have dodged it there. Um, and now we now the mission to me is Jameis is your quarterback. I don't. There's not a rookie that's going to take that job from him this year. So do everything possible to put him in a position to win. Get, get him better protection. Get him better receivers. Uh, reinforce the defense where you can. I mean, thank, thankfully it's already <laughs> a little stout as as a uh, as we learned last year. Uh, the Saints defense is pretty good, no doubt. Um, so hopefully we can go into this draft and uh, get some good receivers, maybe a couple blockers, and uh, get, go to work in the summer. Yeah, and so of all the things that have happened, whether they happened or, or almost happened with the Saints, I mean, the big thing that we're talking about this week going into the draft is obviously this trade with Philly, where the Saints, uh, you know, essentially they add an additional first-round pick, number 16 overall, um, and they also get pick number 194 in exchange for 101 and 237 overall this year, as well as next year's first-rounder and the second-rounder in 2024. So so the Saints gave, you know, it's an aggressive move, right, to, to land – Two top, you know, two picks inside the top twenty, John. And I think a frequently asked fan question, or at least a question on my mind, is why make this move weeks before the draft without the benefit of knowing who's on the board at number sixteen, right? Like, for example, if the Saints are enamored with Trevor Penning, for example, right, and they want him as the replacement for Teron Armstead, well, wouldn't you want to know that Penning is still on the board at sixteen before pulling the trigger on this deal with the Eagles, right? So, how would you answer that like frequently asked fan question, like why make this move? weeks before the draft when you could just do it, you know, on Thursday, on Thursday night during round one. Yeah. So Mickey Loomis was asked that uh, this week in his pre-draft press conference. And what he had to say was that, well, the Eagles approached us about this trade and they were, they were looking to unload one of these first round picks. Um, they maybe shuffle the order in the first round a little bit um, and pick up a future asset. And from the Saints perspective, this allows them to burn one of their picks from next year now. And so they can get two impact players instead of one, which does make sense, you know, considering how the team is built and what, who all they've lost this off season. So to, to me, it was more like a, um, the opportunity was there at the time and the Saints looked at it. They looked at, at how, how they stand, how the division is standing right now with um, the Falcons and the Panthers and shambles and the Bucks, you know, having gone what, what one in one and four against the saints over the last two years. I, I mean, so they, they see it as a very winnable situation. They can get two starters in the first round and they, they can reload and get right back in the mix this year. I mean, let, let's not forget they were one game uh, out of the playoffs last season. You know, they, they needed the 49ers uh, to, to beat the Rams or lose to the Rams, whichever it was like they, they needed one game to break differently for them to get into the postseason. Now, sure, that, that would have meant going to L.A. with Trevor Simeon under center um, against, against the future Super Bowl champs, but that's how close this team was, you know. Even having started four different quarterbacks last year, having started um, 54 different players over the course of the season with injuries and COVID and everything, um, they were right in the mix. They feel like they're still in the And now that they've got these two picks, they can go, go get two really good players. Yeah, and you're talking about the NFC South, like, you know, Tom Brady, he, he's so he's so afraid to play the Saints at this point, John, that he re- first retired and then tried, tried to force his way to Miami, right? He's just <laughs> do anything he can to get a, get away from the freaking Saints. Oh, man. Yeah, Bruce Arians 
felt the same way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I just find it, it's, it's very fascinating, right? Cause a lot of people probably think the saints are tearing it down and rebuilding, right? Sean Payton's gone. Marcus Williams is gone. Uh, you know, Malcolm Jenkins is gone. I mean, there's so many big name players for this team, uh, have moved on. So people probably think, and you know, oh man, they're rebuilding, but the saints were right there last year. And this is really a, a win now kind of trade to, to land these two picks inside the top 20. So what are they going to do with them? Right. What are they going to do with them? Are they going to stay put? Are they going to draft at 16 or 19? There's a lot of people speculating, John, maybe they trade up, right? Maybe they, maybe they have a, a, a plan to make this a series of trades, right? So they, they, they flip this number 16 pick they got from Philly and move up into the top 10. And that's feasible, right? Because you got a team like the Giants. They could be looking to move back at, like, let's say, number seven overall, where you could have a franchise corner like Sauce Gardner there. You could have you know, a ready-to-start day one safety in Kyle Hamilton, who you know, I think safety is still a need with the Saints, even though they they brought in Marcus May. I think you know Kyle Hamilton would be sweet if they could get him. Uh, you got the offensive tackles, which you know we could. There's a lot of offensive tackles at the top of this draft. You guys wrote about Charles Cross recently on Saints Wire. That's another one. Or we could finally get that wide receiver, and at number seven or number ten, you have a better chance of getting one of the top receivers on your board right than you do at sixteen. So maybe they maybe they'll package and move up. Do you, do you have is how do you feel about that? Scale of 1 to 10, how likely is it? I, man, I give it like a 5. Um, I, I, I just don't think it's necessary to get the players that they want. Like, I, I think the Saints would love to get up to, the fifth, the fifth, say, the fifth overall pick with the Giants and get um, Charles Cross or Evan Neal, like one, one of these elite left tackle prospects, and put, put him into Armstead's spot and just leave him there for 10 years. Yep. I, I think they would love to do that. But, but to do so, you probably would have to package 16 and 19 together to move up. And that doesn't line up with what Loomis has said. It doesn't really line up with the team's philosophy this season um, and, and, and kind of where their roster needs are. Like they, they could stay put at 16 and 19 and still get, you know, a receiver and uh, probably a safety. Um, or they could hope that one of the, one of the tackles does fall, you know, maybe Trevor Penning makes it out of the top 10. Um so I, I just don't think it's it's totally necessary. I, I but at the same time you can't rule it out because you really can't rule out anything with this team except the trade down, uh, which they have not done since two, like the two thousand seven uh, draft, I believe. Um, so with that said, that is kind of my pet theory. Like like what I hope they do is I would love to see the Saints make it make their pick at sixteen and then trade down from nineteen, like move down to like um, the twenty third or the twenty fourth pick and get your uh, pick up another selection in like the second or third round and then you still have a chance to get a very good player you know you're going to you're, you're going to see some starters still available uh not too far after where the saints are, are picking so uh, at the same time that's just not real i just don't think that's realistic given their precedent but we're kind of in an unprecedented time, literally, without Sean Payton as head coach. So the, the team is still navigating that. Uh, we are, too, us the, 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 covering the team, and uh, we're going to see what they do on Thursday night. Yeah, we're all throwing darts, right, John? We, we don't know what's going to happen here. We're throwing <laughs> we're darts. Blindfolded. Yeah, we're, we, we are. We're, we're blindfolded uh, throwing darts, yeah. But that's why the draft is so fun, and, and that's why Thursday night's going to be so fun. And, you know, another question I had for you is, like, so what does this move with the Eagles mean for, like, the planet quarterback? Or does it mean anything for the planet quarterback? Because you gotta you gotta factor in that they don't have a pick in the first round next year, and next year's draft is supposed to be you know a, a better quarterback class, right? 
And you got Jameis yeah. now. Okay, go ahead. You got a, you got a comment on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we say that every year that next year's quarterback's class is going to be better. That's true. And then it gets here. Like, got the first overall pick because if not, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll see. Um, and that's kind of where the Saints are right now. Um, sorry, sorry to interrupt you there, but man, that, that, that's, that's been hot on my, my mind for this, this, this last week. That's been said. Like the Saints had better get Kenny Pickett at 16 or they need to trade up for Malik Willis or whatever. And I'm just, I'm just like, do y'all pay attention year, year after year? <laughs> it's so true. Um, yeah. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not angling for uh, Kenny Two Gloves Pickett, just, just for the record here. I'm yeah. not angling for that. Um, I'm just asking, you know, so they bring back Jameis on this two year, $28 million deal, 21 guarantee. So, you know, really a, a great, a great cheap deal for your QB one for the Saints. That, that's a, that's a nice deal. You could do a lot of things with that. You can, you can, you know, and I agree with you hundred percent. I think Jameis is starting 2022, no matter what, no matter what happens, even if they draft a quarterback, I think Jameis is your guy uh, here in 2022. But what about like, what about the next guy, right? We're, we're not exactly sure what that could be. Could they draft a quarterback? And I, I just, you know, I, I just want to bring again. I don't, I don't love Kenny Pickett, and I don't love moving up for Malik Willis. But what, what about Desmond Ritter? Right, his stock seems to be rising. He's the quarterback for Cincinnati. His stock seems to be rising as we get closer to the draft, John. And Tipico, the sports book, Tipico has the Saints as the favorite to draft Ritter at plus three hundred. And I'm just like, what do our friends at Tipico know, right? Because Ritter wasn't even supposed to be a first round pick originally, and now some are projecting him as high as a top twenty pick. And I like him more than uh, Kenny Two Gloves, and I don't want, like I said, I don't want to move up for a Malik Willis, who's a project uh, a pa- passer, right? I mean, it seems like it would take him a couple years to be ready. Uh, could they stay put at sixteen or nineteen, or even maybe move back from nineteen, as you're saying, and snag Ritter in the you know top twenty four, twenty five picks? I mean, could that be the way your succession plan goes at quarterback? You get Desmond Ritter, and you groom him behind Jameis Winston for a year or two. You know, so Ritter is. He's my favorite quarterback in the draft. I'll, I'll just come out with that. Same. Um, he's a guy who has the right blend of college success and you know athletic upside to continue to grow and develop um, in in the pros. Um, you know, c- considering his age and everything, uh, to, to me he he looks like probably the closest thing to a sure thing in, in the first round here. Um, I, I like him better than Kenny Pickett. Uh, Pickett, Mandy. He, he had the Joe Burrow jump in his, his last year in college, um, but he was very unproductive for four years prior to that. Um, he, he threw almost as many interceptions as touchdowns. He, he, he was just re- really struggling. They, they, they finally landed this elite receiver recruit his, his last year that some of the coaches changed and introduced some new things. And he, he finally had a good season. And that, that's really catapulted him where he's at. But to me, Ritter has really sustained his success um, year after year after year at the college level, the guy the guy took Cincinnati to the college football playoff. Um, that, 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 that's really remarkable. He, he won a ton of games. Um, he, he really trusts the structure of his offense. He's always looking to make a big play, and then he works back from there. And to me, that that's what an NFL quarterback should do. You know that I, I know that guys like Pickett and Willis are they're really exciting because they make um, chicken salad out of chicken. Uh, Bleep. You know, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, where they break down and they're flushed out of the pocket and they make a throw on the run. And it's, it's very exciting and off schedule, but you can't really build your offense around that. Like you need guys who understand the system, they understand who's going to be where um, 
and they, they've really mastered that. And to me, Ritter is probably the, he- the headiest QB when it comes to that. Um, I know the, Sa- the Saints have met often with him, with Matt Corral. They've met with Kenny Pickett a few times. So they've done their diligence on all these passers. And I think if the right guy is there at the right pick, the Saints would not hesitate to, to turn in that card. Um, what we've got to wonder is where does the value line up with the pick? Like, do they have Ritter valued at the 16th pick? Do they have Matt Corral valued at the 19th pick? Like, like well, what are they thinking? And that's something we're unlikely to learn between now and Thursday night. Um, and there's just so much intrigue surrounding that. But, but to answer your original question, it's the same draft Ritter. I would love it. Um, and I would not, he, he's the one quarterback I would not rule out taking the starting job as a rookie. Now there's a couple reasons for that. Be, beyond his, um, his, he has a very strong resume. Uh, he, the, guy, the guy has a lot of confidence too. It, it reminds me of Russell Wilson coming out of college and taking the starting job for Matt Flynn with the Seattle Seahawks and never looking back. Where Russell Wilson, he was a third round pick. He was kind of overlooked that year. R- Ritter is getting, giving kind of similar vibes. Now, to be fair, Ritter is expected to be a first round pick. Uh, Russell Wilson was a third. Um, Matt Flynn was a kind of modest free agent signing. Well, so was Jameis Winston, uh, even though he was a former first overall pick. So it, it, it's it's kind of a similar situation, and it's kind of not. But the one edge I would see someone like Ritter enjoying is that he would have the benefit of a full summer um, in, in the Saints offseason program in, in practice every day, whereas Winston, he's going to be uh, rehabbing his knee uh, all the way into July. So it's going to be a while before he's getting into team drills, he's running with the starters, uh, he, he's working on his chemistry with – which, which, whichever wide receiver we hope the Saints draft in the first round because they, they could really use one. Um, and he's going to have a head start on that. So, and, and to me, Ritter just, he, he's the closest thing to a complete package. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, I hopped on the Cincinnati bandwagon. I have some family on my wife's side out in uh, Ohio. And we were jumping on that Cincinnati Bearcat bandwagon because it's fun. You're rooting for that team to make the the playoff right John and uh, every time I watched Ritter I was just like I like this who's this quarterback I like this quarterback right I kept on hearing about all the other guys hadn't really heard a lot about the Cincinnati kid but every time I watched him I'm like I like this Desmond Ritter so I I think I'd be I'd be that I think I think that'd be kind of fun if the Saints ended up with him somehow if they trade back and get him or something or or make a pick and get him and he grew him behind Jameis I think I would I would like that but you hit on it right wide receiver that's a need uh you know corner corner is a need uh, left tackle is a huge <laughs> left tackle is a huge need. Uh, so there's there's a there's just a lot to do, right? They have two picks in the top twenty, but a lot to do. Uh, what tops your list right now, John, going into the draft? Yeah, so for me personally, just looking at the draft, looking at the Saints, uh, it all starts at wide receiver. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is if he's throwing to um, practice squad guys on Sundays. Like we we, we can't do this anymore. We can't. And no offense to these guys. Can't have Kenny Stills and Kevin White and Lil Jordan Humphrey run, running downfield anymore. Like we, we, we've got to get some upgrades in here. Um, so you, you, that's where it really starts for me. My nightmare scenario is that this, we know there's a run on receivers in this draft. It's going to happen at some point. When the first one's going to go off the board, and every team after them is going to get scared and start just describing the next receiver. And the nightmare scenario for me is that it's going to happen before the Saints get on the clock. And so they're going to end up at 16 uh, without any receivers that they really like at that spot. So they say, well, let's hope that we, let's just wait on it and hope, hope the value matches up later. 
that, that's that's how the Saints got Traquan Smith in the first place um, is, is by sitting and waiting. And as we've seen with Smith, um, you, you probably need a better prospect if, if you're looking for someone who's going to be a high upside starter for a long time. He's really struggled there as as a former third round pick. So please, Saints, uh, go receiver in the first or second round. I'm I'm back here. But after that, quarterback is is a priority of some sort. Um, I would not reach for one just because I don't really love anybody in this draft. I I like Ritter the most, and I don't love any of them. Um, It wouldn't break my heart for him to go somewhere else. Um, But as far as teams that you you really – as far as positions that you really need to address, left tackle is up there, safety is up there. Um, I've seen some talk about linebacker and corner, and but to me, I, I don't really buy into that. I think I think you, I think that you drafted uh, Pete Warner and Paulson Adebo last year, and they worked really well. Um, and I, I want them to continue to hold down those jobs. Uh, but the one position to me that feels like a really sneaky need is defensive tackle. Uh, and the, the Saints have made a couple small moves there. They signed Julio Johnson and Contavious Street on these uh, veterans' minimum contracts. Neither of them really moved the needle. Neither of them are really going to push for a lot of snaps, I think. And you're, you're, that that lineup, that part of the depth chart is really built around David Onyemata, and he's entering the final year of his contract. So did the Saints plan on re-signing him that, that next spring, or are they looking to move on, or, or what? Like we need to, We need to see some kind of a plan there. And if, if the Saints could draft a defensive tackle early on, I think that would help a lot to stabilize uh, that position group. Yeah, and then maybe maybe the big move comes after the draft, right? Like Tyron Matthew. There was some there was some smoke around that, right? Maybe he would come into this. I know Saints fans are getting excited about that. Uh, so so maybe there's work to be done right after the draft, right? Because it sounds like Matthew he's still out there, uh, and there was at least some rumors, John, that he could end up being a Saint. Yeah, him and Jarvis Landry, a couple yep, hometown yep, heroes. Yep. Uh, yeah, they have both met with the team in New Orleans. Uh, the the Matthew meeting was characterized as much more of like a meet and greet, like just getting to know each other, like exchange information, uh, get, get some merch for his kids. Uh, um, yeah. A much more casual rather than a real like recruiting trip. Um, with Landry, though, the, the, there's been reported interest from the Saints for quite a while there. Um, and to me, that's someone who probably is, is more of a clean fit for what they want to do. And for what they what they really need, you know, because like we just said, receiver that that's the number, the number one position you need to address. So I, I think it's it's possible. I, I wouldn't anticipate anything before the draft, um, but both for the money involved and for you know the ramifications of, of all these picks that the Saints are about to make. But another big factor is that uh, this, this Monday, May second, is the cutoff date for compensatory draft picks for 2023. What that means is any free agents signed after that date will not factor into the comp pick formula. So if the Saints are going to get a pick back next year after losing Teron Armstead or Marcus Williams, they could sign a player then and not uh, jeopardize that pick. So th- there's still some confusion going around about this. Um, the, the, the Saints uh, signed Andy Dalton when they did, and because the, the formula is pretty dumb, it, it, it only factors in how many how many players you sign doesn't matter how much you're paying them or whatever um it's it's, it's who, who loses more than they've gained and by finding andy dalton when they did the saints balanced the scales and took those picks out of consideration uh, per the latest projections but 
th- these are all projections. Uh, they're wrong sometimes. And I think the Saints are playing it smart now by kind of waiting and seeing what happens before they make this next move. <laughs> if, if Andy Dalton costs them a comp pick for, for Williams or Armstead, that will be annoying. <laughs> to say, to like, say the least. <laughs> 100th overall selection. Like, that would be annoying, uh, man. <laughs> but it would. Yeah. So, so, so that there's a lot to, uh, there's a lot to unpack there and a lot to see, uh, what will happen. But, you know, I was reading on Saints Wire, John, that, you know, the worst case scenario for the Saints, uh, that played out in a, in a, you know, particular mock draft. You guys are covering all the mock drafts that are, that are going on and who people are mocking to the Saints. But give me like John Sigler's dream draft for the Saints. We'll end it here. Like, what's your, what's your dream draft for the Saints? Uh, who do they end up with in your dream draft? You can throw names out there. Like, if you want to throw Chris Olave, uh, out there is the wide receiver from Ohio State, and he ends up with the Saints, and that's your dream. Uh, give it to me, or you know, maybe if you don't even have to drop names, uh, just positions. Like, what's your dream draft for the Saints? What do they do? Man, I've really come to love that the, the idea of, um, and this is what happened. It, the Saints wire staff we had a collaborative mock draft last weekend um, where we went, we went we went through uh, round by round, pick by pick, and. Always a fun the, read, too. Um, That's always a fun read. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. And the result we got there is one that I've seen in a lot of mock drafts. And it's giving me a lot of hope that I worry is false hope because it's unrealistic, I think. And that would be for Charles Cross to fall to the Saints at 16. Uh, to me, he's he's the best pass protector in this draft at left tackle. Uh, he, he's got more experience than than anybody else. Um He's 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 the most plug and play player of, of the bunch, even more than Evan Neal and um, Ethan McWanu, um, and Trevor Penning for sure. So I, I would love I would love Cross at sixteen. I, I just don't know that that it's realistic. I don't know that he gets past the Panthers at six. Um, but hey, this is my perfect ideal uh, scenario. So we're, we're going to run with it. So Cross at sixteen, I love. Uh, Chris Olave, who you mentioned at 19, I love. He, he's my favorite receiver in the draft. I don't think he's the best. I think Jamison Williams uh, finally found his lane at Alabama last year, and that, that gives him his, a, a really strong road to success in the NFL once he's healthy. Uh, but Chris Olave is my favorite because he just gets open so consistently on so many different routes. Um, he, he really dominated the Buckeyes offense for several years. Uh, Williams transferred to Alabama because he couldn't get in the rotation ahead of Olave. Um, Garrett Wilson is a really popular uh, receiver this year in box draft, but he was playing behind Olave too for a long time. So to, to me, Olave is very accomplished. Um, he, he's a good athlete for his size. Um, and he, he's exactly what the Saints need as far as someone who can get open very quickly and very consistently, uh, especially downfield. So I would, I, I could see him being, you know, the, the Chris Godwin to, uh, the Mike Evans role for Michael Thomas with, with Jameis Winston at, at QB, you know? Yeah, I think Olave is like the idiot-proof wide receiver. If you can get him, you just you just feel you feel good about it. I think he's going to be a stud. So yeah, if we can get Charles Cross and Chris Olave, that's that's a dream draft right there. I think we'll be we'd be back on here next week celebrating, John. That that would be pretty sweet. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I would love it, and that really frees you up in, in the second and third round to. Um, you, you can go after other positions. You know, if there's a safety like or a running back or a defensive tackle, like you, you, at that point, you can be more flexible and you can navigate the board and you, and you have a lot more options, I think. So if the, if the Saints can start out uh, 
smart. They could, if they could leave the draft on Thursday night or leave the first round on Thursday night with a left tackle and a receiver, I'll, I'll be over the moon. So like, like I said, I don't know how realistic that is, but if I, if I could wave a magic wand or something, then, then that's what I would wish for. Absolutely. So those are our dart throws. Um, and, you know, Saints fans should definitely be checking out those mock drafts on Saints Wire. Those are good reads, uh, very informative. The crew over there does a great job. And, uh, John, I guess it's been a while since our last recording, but we should just, we shouldn't wait around too much longer, right? We should get back on here next week and, and react to what happens. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll try and get back here next week, re- recap the draft, and uh, look, look at what, what's ahead for the Saints as we get deeper into the summer. All right, looking forward to that. Looking forward to the draft. Always a really fun weekend for John Sigler. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.